You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Just wanted to drop a quick word that we have some really cool t-shirts and other merch for sale that help support the podcast and make you look really, really cool. Check them out at parkingcast.com slash swag or click the link in the show notes. The Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Tony Jordan, president of the Parking Reform Network. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm pretty good. Thanks. All right. It's been, uh, of course, we had a pre-call of this meeting a few weeks ago, so it's been so nice meeting you uh, and hearing about what you guys do. But I've, I've got I've to ask, I'm going to jump right into it. How in the world do you get interested in parking reform and end up uh, creating and running the, the parking reform network? So tell us, take us back to the beginning. What, what kind of sparked your interest in this? Well, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of random. Um, I have a, I went to school, got a degree in politics uh, at UC Santa Cruz, um, but I was working in tech for a long time, web development, software development. And in 2010, I was reading this blog post on a website called Metafilter. It's like a community web blog, kind of an old, you know, one of the first blogs that were out there. Yeah. And it's a place where anyone could just kind of post about whatever. And there was this post about, it was in July, 2010, it was about parking reform kind of. And I, so I clicked through and I, and I never thought about parking at all. I actually lived in a house. I had moved recently into a house that's across the street from a bar parking lot. And the building I worked in over my office oversaw a parking garage, but I never thought about it. And, and so I, I thought it was interesting and I got the book. It was only in hardcovers. So it was about the high cost of free parking. And I got the high, I got Shoop's book from interlibrary loan. It was only in hardcover at the time. And I started reading it and I was just kind of blown away. Um, wow (laughs) you uh fit right in with uh i I mean this term with all due respect because i love when people call me a parking nerd but man you you jumped right in with the kool-aid yeah well i mean it it was kind of like shocking to me don has asked me you know he said how did you feel when you read my book and i said like i was kind of disgusted i felt like i was reading I was eating a hamburger in like 1907 or eight or whenever, and and I'm reading the jungle, right? And like, it's like, what is, what's going on around me? He says, I think the book's funny. And I'm like, it is funny now, but like, it's not, it's terrifying. If you never thought about this, you look around, it's like, what is, what have we done and why? And so I was just really super captivated by like this, the understanding. It's kind of like, I, 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 I say a lot in analogy, you know, it's like they live or something where you take up, put these glasses on and all of a sudden, like you can't mm. unsee what you've seen. And I think that happens to a lot of people actually, when they first are exposed to the kind of truth about this. Tony, I think you're exactly right because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends or families at parting because I, I always hate saying what I do because <laughs> I'm an introvert and it, it use up, ends up usually being like a long, uh, long dialogue. But usually when I explain it, kind of the issues with not paying for parking or the overabundance of parking or even parking minimums, very rarely do they say like, no, I disagree. Like they're always like, oh, wow, I've never thought about that. You're right. You know, so it's, it's cool that you had that light bulb moment and you, and you got it kind of doing your own research. That's really interesting. Yeah. You can, you can convert people. I was at the bank 
um, doing some business for the network and, and the person was asking, what do you do? And I'm always kind of like, this is going to be a little weird, bear with me. And, <laughs> and by the end, a lot of times, you know, you convert people like they're like, wow, I really, I thought this was going to be super boring when you started talking about parking and it's actually not. And I think that that was kind of the, when I first started getting involved, like it was, there was some stuff happening in Portland. I had kind of a union organizing background too. So I was like starting, like I can help talk to people about this. And, and people said, you're crazy. Like this is such a third rail issue. And I, and I found actually just people weren't being told the truth. Like they, <laughs> they were, mm. they, it was just assumed that of course, everyone, no one wants to pay. But when you start telling them how much it costs, how much space it takes up, it's, it's very hard to ignore the mm. illogic or the, the, the lack of logic and how we've done, how we dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, shoots books kind of a, Threefold points. I remember it was uh, the removal of parking minimums, put in paid parking, and but put that money back into the community where the meters are. And again, I think we're, well, I think we kind of meet in the middle because we we've talked about this before. But I mean, I mean, I don't even know if you own a car, but I see you. I don't speak for you. Maybe talk about what your mission or what Parking Reform Network's mission is because I, you know, I'm in the paid parking industry, so it's like, but I feel aligned with Shoop where as long as Every time I've talked with the city, because that's usually what I've worked with this municipalities is about you kind of you got to put that money back into the, the downtown community. I love I've seen examples like in Chattanooga where we put in paid parking, the paid parking funds uh, paid for the this was years ago because put in the first electric uh, free shuttle, which drives around all downtown to all the tourist stops. And it's it's free. It's electric. And it was paid for by the parking funds. I was like. That's just a perfect example. It just happens to be my hometown, but I don't know. Talk about kind of where with the 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 mission of the the parking reform network, um, right? As you see, I mean, it, yeah. So you're right. Um, I don't have a car. I do think not having a car is a pretty good gateway to this. I got I had got rid of my car just in like 2008, so just before I read the shoot book, and I think that it provides a fertile soil for the seeds to land on because you start look because you're not because then you realize you're paying, you're subsidizing this use that that you mm-hmm. don't you don't need. But uh, our mission is, you know, to educate the public about the impact of parking policy on a lot of issues they care about, like climate change, equity, housing, traffic. And we have a, a we we like to partner with allied organizations to to help build support to accelerate these reforms. Um, and we we do that really through um, research, coalition building. Um, direct advocacy. And, and, and I think you're right. Also, I don't think that there's, I, I think there are certainly people in the industry who don't agree with, I think just general urbanism <laughs> and, and, and some of the, like, you know, the ideas that we're trying to change behavior. But I mean, ultimately I, I rec- I think myself and my organization and my members, we recognize this as a long game, right? Like the, the, when you, the day, the city, the day after you get rid of parking mandates is the same city it was the day before. The parking mm-hmm. is still there, and and efficient use of existing resources is a key to transitioning to w- whether if you think people are going to drive and we're going to be in electric cars or whether you want to have less cars on the street. It's all the idea that we've already got a lot of space for cars, and just the general physics and geometry is the barrier here to 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 creating more walkable cities. We can't fit all the people and all their cars. And so there just has to be a, a different way that it's done. And I think that that the parking industry 
um, especially, you know, the apps and the people who there are a lot of people who who've read Shoop in the parking industry, or at least have heard about it. And I think, you know, the key is building less parking makes the existing parking more valuable. And that's something that I think a lot of people can get behind is, you know, like it increases the value of reservation systems. It increases, creates a lot of business opportunities. So that's, I think, I don't think that, our mission is is misaligned with with much of the industry. I've said the same thing. Usually the parking minimums are requiring, usually, you know, when they're they're building or redeveloping, it's usually free spaces in front of their business. Like I'm sure I'm off in some areas, but to me, I envision it like not requiring that is going to push the the public to paid parking spots that help the parking industry, these garage and lot owners or the on-street parking. So it's I, I can see that from a business perspective, perspective, they would be supportive if they're not really worried about helping the environment or the downtown, at least from an economic standpoint, they would be supportive of that. Right. I, 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 I've been saying lately, like cities should mind their own business when it comes to parking. Like they should stop telling entrepreneurs and developers how much they need to build to support their business and look at the curb that they own. That's the biggest asset of many cities and price it and manage it. The planning department makes you makes in most places in this country makes people build parking. And then the transportation department undermines that value of the resource that you made them build by providing it for free. And so yeah. we need to kind of put that into a balance and, and fix it. And there's there's definitely um, a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And I think that's what Shoop has always advocated. Let the market dictate it. And I actually have seen this where I, I interviewed the city of Fayetteville, Jonathan Kurth, who's with the planning, and they they recently removed parking minimums and he just mentioned that there was some new development coming in and they did a parking study themselves and found kind of took it upon themselves to decide how much parking they needed, which they thought they did, or they were building a garage or something. But I just thought that was interesting that even though they're not required, let, like you said, don't have the cities tell you, let the businesses decide on, on what's required. I have seen some negatives though from uh, removing parking minimums. I think it's more when the curb's not managed properly, maybe the issue, because right. it seems to be pushing people into, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts there, on, on, on kind of when, when it doesn't work or thoughts on, um, yeah, how to I, improve? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's definitely, there, there can be a tragedy of the commons for sure. Right. If you, if you, allow people say, Oh, we're just giving a handout to developers. Well, I mean, it's natural. If someone moves, if someone has a car and they move into an apartment, even if the off-street parking is just priced, right? If it's not bundled into their rent, um, they have a choice to make. Do I want to park on the street if it's unmanaged or free? Or do I want to, you know, pay? Um, so I think, you know, it's clear people will choose to use the free the free parking. Now we do see in most cities, we're starting to, you know, the parking, the modern parking reform movement, which kind of really got its w- underway in like 2017, 2018 with like Hartford, Buffalo, San Francisco, getting rid of their mandates. We're just starting to see, you know, development yep. takes a long time. So five years later, we're starting to see. And, and what the fact is, is that most developments still build some parking um, and they, they build less on average. And, and interestingly, Sightline Institute did a, you know, looked at some of these studies and put out an article that, you know, showed that when you look at kind of how overparked businesses are or apartments are, for example, it's usually about 40% overparked. I mean, it depends on where you are, but by the mandates, like the required parking. 
Yeah. And um, and interestingly, you know, it's about 40% less parking that's built when you get rid of the mandates, right? These these people are smart with their money. They don't want to lose it. They're going to build what they think they need. And uh, so I think that, yeah, of course, there's an opportunity for for basically taking advantage of free parking, but that's, you know, it's because it's free and unmanaged. So I think it's it's pretty logical. The answer here is, is yeah. have a permit program, have a meter program, and and it really not only and make it worth value. I think that's a key for people in the industry and in cities to think about is a lot of our permit and meter programs don't charge a market clearing rate. And so what are you paying for? If I pay $2, but I still have to drive around, I'm not going to be happy. You know, it's like I pay for my cell phone and the reception's yep. bad. I want to be able to, if you, you know, if you charge enough that you provide a value, it's justifiable. And that's a hard hurdle for places to get. But I think that's the next frontier is really understanding that this is a commodity. It generally is not a like life necessity, obviously certain places maybe, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that, that people want conveniently, but there are other options and how we manage that is going to be the next phase. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so, yeah, so, I mean, you, you talked about the educating the public and you talked about kind of the mission, kind of what, what do you guys do? You know, what do you do to support the mission? What's like your day to day talk about kind of the, the goals of the parking reform network. Right. We have a number of programs and initiatives. I think it breaks down into kind of three areas. We're a community. We're a network, right? Of support, sharing information, um, boosting one another, and making it fun. We throw parties at a lot of like conferences and things because I think it's about you know showing that this is not just some wonky, nerdy thing. It's actually interesting and serious. We back that up with some research products, right? We we um, we have our mandates map. We have our parking lot map. We have a parking benefit district handbook where we have a number of, we have a team of research interns this summer, like looking at just starting to kind of compile raw data for us on various topics. And then ultimately to my background as an organizer and just as an advocacy organization, we're about helping people, pushing people to action, right? We don't go and drop into a town and run a parking campaign ourselves, but we want to encourage and help train the people who are interested in this, give them the information on how you actually take an issue and reach out and build a coalition and 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 create you know support for ch- policy changes on the ground. So it's it's like kind of a multi a multi faceted approach that we take. Yeah, I was looking at some of the board members and strategic advisors, and I was blown away. So tell us, tell the listeners who some of your like board members, of course, Shoop and some of the uh, people you have on on the team. Right. Well, our advisory board that we launched with a few years back was, you know, Donald Shoup, uh, Patrick Sigmund, who's a well-known, the first Shoupista, uh, yeah. Todd Littman, who, if you've ever looked at any research about parking. I've read so himself. much of his stuff. Yeah. Rick, yeah. Rachel Weinberger uh, yeah. with the Regional Planning Authority or agency, I believe, in uh, New York, um, who's, she was telling me this a couple of weeks ago, they call her the Shoup of the East. Um, and Norman Garrick, who, you know, University of Connecticut, who is another, th- that, so we had a great academic uh, initial brain trust to kind of show people we were serious. Our founding board members were mostly planners, Mike Kwan, uh, Jane Wilberding, and Lindsay Bailey. Um, Lindsay and Jane are in Chicago, mm-hmm. and Mike's in DC. And we're actually kind of in a bit of a transition. Our organization's growing really rapidly right now. And so we're about to, we've just brought on two new members, um, Raynell Cooper, who is the manager's residential parking in San Francisco and Ann Chang, who worked on a project called Transform, 
this uh, Green Trips product in, in California. Yep. So, um, and and we've got a couple um, a couple more in the pipeline. So we're really um, we're we're expanding that. We we didn't it, we didn't expand our board for the first three four years, and now we're as the organization is about to really um, shift into a higher gear. We're building that out. So that's a, a space to watch. It's going to get even better. Yeah, man, what an impressive uh, impressive group. And we're going to talk about some of them in particular after we take a quick break to hear from one of our platinum sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. All right, one uh, another co- collaborator, more of a strategic advisor, I think, is Paul Barter, who runs the wonderful podcast Reinventing Parking. I listen to that. I'm a subscriber. Um, and this is almost like the official podcast for the Parking Reform Network. So talk, give our listeners a little pitch. Maybe they like our podcast, the, the Parking Podcast. Tell them why should they, they should also check out your podcast. You know, it really, it gets into things. Paul's podcast covers parking from an angle that is really oriented towards the the people who are into the issue itself, into parking reform, I think. And, and also he brings an international aspect that I think is missing a lot of times. He a lot of the people he a lot of his episodes are around what they're doing in other countries, which is really useful because in the United States we really are pretty introspective about our about where the policies are coming from. So it's 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 kind of like with our mandates map. When strong towns had that map, it was there weren't a lot of details. And I would always look at a city and be like, well, what is the real policy? Like what did they actually do? When did they do it? What was the story behind it? And and I think that so it's kind of like I think I do think Paul's podcast has a, a could be interesting to a general audience for sure, but it's it's certainly aimed for the person who wants to get a little bit deeper, and yeah. um, and that there's just not a lot of of content that's that's on this topic yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> sometimes I mean I've been in in parking, not in planning, and I get. Like it's pretty deep. Like I've learned a lot from listening to it. He'll interview people from other countries, kind of what they're doing, and um, really into that kind of planning side of it, which my podcast doesn't really get into. It's more of the parking technology from the from the operators and solutions out there. So uh, definitely check out that that podcast. It's great. Of course, another member, the one whose book you read to kind of to start this all off, he actually recommended asked to that I should get you on the show to talk about the Parking Reform Network. Talk about uh, Donald Donald Shoup, kind of what he's meant to you and in, in the in the network. And um, when did he first hear about this, and how did he respond? I, I mean, well, I, so after I read his book, um, you know, I, I I looked into what was going on in Portland, and at the time, 2010, it was pretty good. A few years later, we had a kind of backlash to apartments with no parking. And at that time, when I started organizing on the issue, I reached out to him via email and asked him for guidance, and he. Um, He's very generous with his time. I mean, I think we, you know, you have this. He is just—he's a professor, and he's pretty accessible. He's a big fish in this 
this area and it's growing, but it, you know, it's still was pretty small community. So he, I know he generally responds to people who write to him and um, he wrote a letter of support, a, a letter to the editor to Portland. And then I just kind of kept in touch over the years as I formed Portlanders for Parking Reform, which was my local advocacy group. I from Los Angeles. So I would go down for Thanksgiving and I started going to meet him for lunch and got to know him a little bit that way. And, and he's just been, you know, I think supportive and generous with his time. I, I, we try not to, to ask too much. He's retired. He should enjoy his retirement. The guy still works all the time, <laughs> but uh, I he really does. does. <laughs> I think he enjoys parking, you know, like, yeah. I mean, we, you know, so, so it's like, he's still doing what he likes to do, but, you know, just having him be willing to kind of endorse the organization and, and honestly, just the, the sticking with this, I, I was, I posted, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago and I posted like, I was born in 1978 and that's the year, like it maybe wasn't his first parking related paper, but I think it was his first parking and zoning related paper. It's like 45 years to really see this. And wow. so, you know. Thanks to sticking through it and raising this issue and getting it to the point where like it's accepted in a lot of circles. And that certainly makes it easier to, to, you know, to make the progress that we're seeing. It's like the, the, what we're seeing now is just the top of the iceberg, right? And all Don's work is that it's, that's 80% below that's anchoring it and, and, you know, making it, making it happen. Yeah. You, you uh, hit the nail on the head. I've, I also emailed him early in my career as as a, a nobody, you know, just just asking for help on something or I had a question, and he responded, and he's responded to pretty much everything ever since. Just uh, just you know, kind of wonderful to give back to so many people, and even now in retirement, he's still so active and writing in uh, newspaper op eds, and and <laughs> still still going strong. Love uh, love every time I get the I chance he- to talk to. Him. Yeah. I think he gets a kick out of seeing it happen. I mean, I know that like him and his, and his wife, when I've talked with them, it's like, they're just like, they love seeing, I think the energy around this and seeing something, you know, something happen from it. It's, yeah. it's, it's gotta, I, I hope it's very gratifying for him, you know, cause it, it, he deserves to feel very accomplished. Yeah. And I love that we're starting to see that, you know, I think the the seaside Institute, he was a, honored with an award and I'm sure there's there's plenty more he's he's gotten in that are coming his way so right. uh, so good for him yeah one thing again kind of a change of subject but I just thought it was cool and I mean I guess maybe it has to do with one of your your members or or employees or or collaborators but talk about the interactive parking lot map I uh I thought it was really cool how can listeners get a hold of that and kind of maybe tell about what it does right how so they this can use a, a a member Thomas Carpenito who he found us um uh, through a YouTube video by a, another friend of mine, uh, Ray Delhanty, City Nerd, uh, his YouTube channel. And um, and he came and he said for a year he'd been working on making these maps of city centers and how much, where all the parking lots were. And I was like, well, this is great. He'd already done like 40 of them or something. And so um, he brought this, you know, we, we, the, these maps have been around. Other people have done them for years and years. Um, I have a very early version of one in one of my first slideshows from 2016 that I found on the internet. Yeah. But they're maps that show kind of just, that you know, and people complain about you miss this lot or that. But ultimately, the purpose of this is just to kind of really show the extent of the problem or, or show the impact of parking. Like, I think it's very hard to recognize how much of your central city is parking. So the map just, it's at our website at parkingreform.org. And 
under the resources tab. And you can select and look at these cities. And we kind of made up a metric. We're about to add 20 more in the next couple of weeks. And I think it just is a good talking point. It's led to a lot of press and 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 local conversations. Cause I think when when it's starkly like, look how much of your city center is parking. And the real shocking takeaway from this kind of is a lot of these places don't have parking mandates anymore, right? A lot of city centers don't require parking. And so it's like it kind of also high and and also these places are the the places with the least parking in a city, like Portland has 11% it's downtown is parking, which is relatively low. Yeah. But the whole city of Portland, we had another um, research associate, Ryan Martin, he did a whole study of the all the parking, surface parking in the city of Portland and like 19 to 20% of the whole city, the entire city is parking. So like the downtown is the best. And where you really see is places that were developed before the fifties are much more compact. And, and so so it's it, the problem is, is as the city expanded in the last forty years, all the the more semi suburban development is much more commercial development is much more sprawled and has a lot lot more parking. So I think the key ultimately is it shows the problem, but it also shows the great the great promise of what you could like. Thomas talks to people in these cities and and really looks like what could you build in these places? Like what you know, or even you know, like even if you just utilize this parking that you have and then you allow. Uh, adaptive reuse of all the commercial that's around for housing on top of these storefronts or whatever. And so there's a great, a great potential in the places. So it's kind of a, it's sad, but it also points people, links people to a solution. I, a lot of times we see these images and there's kind of like, look how bad we've screwed up. But I think one of the goals of the parking reform network is to, to say, look, yeah, we we've gotten to a place that's not great, but we can get somewhere better. And these are the steps we need to take to do that. Yeah, uh, and I'll put that link in the show notes for our listeners to check out. And it reminds me of Tony. I don't know if you remember when the um, when this when the spy balloon, the Chinese spy balloon, I guess, was floating over America. I saw a pretty funny meme. I might have shared it in another episode, but it's pretty much like a a Chinese consultant or general speaking to the chairman, saying that the spy data is useless and it all the all the overhead footage of the cities is just parking lots. Everything's parking <laughs> lots, and I, I thought that was uh, that you would appreciate that. How fitting! How well, fitting you can certainly land a lot of a lot of aircraft, you know, in a lot of our cities. You know, I, this is a like I I I, I one of my favorite kind of land uses uh, that I see parking requirements for is helicopter like landing helipads, heliports, helistops. Like, there's the hell if I know what all these different things are, right? Like, but they have a lot of cities that have no business, like no one's ever going to fly a helicopter to these places. They require parking for all of this, you know, stuff. It's like, well, you, you just park in front of the Walmart or in yeah. the cemetery. Yeah. Like there's plenty of open space around these places. Yeah. So it's, it's like the prescriptive nature, the real, like when you look at these mandates, like the, the, just uh, one more example is like uh, we were in, in North Carolina and like, there's places that have parking requirements for drive-in movie theaters, right? Like, like, it's a drive-in movie theater. You don't need to tell the operator that they need to have a parking space for every parking space. And that, but that's really what we've done. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, man, thank you for the discussion on what parking reform network does, who they are and uh, how can listeners follow along? Like what's the best? Is it 
Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? Is it the website? Is there a blog? Kind of what do you what do you we've recommend? Got a news, uh, yeah, we've we've got a newsletter um, that comes out about weekly, um, and that's probably the best way to know what's going on. Social media is kind of in an upheaval. You know, um, we we are fairly active on Instagram. I think we're going to be really LinkedIn is a good place for this kind of organizing. We do have a Twitter and Facebook, um, so those are probably the best. The newsletter and and maybe LinkedIn slash Instagram probably. You know, and I and I do tweet, but the, the yeah. other organization does tweet. But you know, it's that's who knows what's happening there. Yeah, what's the best way for people that are really passionate want to want to support? What's the best way to uh, support Parking Reform Network? Well, we are a five hundred one c three organization, so we of course love donations. There's a big button. Donors get uh, opportunity to become members then of the community and join in our Slack and interface with other people. Which is, I think, if you're really interested in making a change. That is the place to be. Um, we also have amazing volunteers that are, every day I, I'm, I'm amazed at the people who come and, and are spending their time to help build this. So um, yeah, donate, volunteer, join the community, parkingreform.org. Um, yeah, I'll put the, the website and the, the way to join or donate. Uh, I'll put all those links in, in the show notes. So Tony, when you're not solving the world's parking problems, what do you like to do for fun? Increasingly, this takes up more of my time, although I'm hoping we're getting to a plateau on that. But I uh, I like trivia, uh, you know, bar trivia. I like to ride bikes, used to do some multi-day bike riding um, and uh, like walk around with my wife, and my dog, my kids. And uh, and I also still, you know, I came to this randomly. I'm, st- I'm interested in a lot of things. So just kind of like reading random stuff on the Wikipedia or just yeah. learning about what's <laughs> What's the next thing? <laughs> I know? love it. Hopefully, man. we're gonna we're gonna solve this in five years. I got to move on to something else weird when yeah. we're done. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I love trivia as well, and I've started doing my first uh, like going to a pizza place, bar, and uh, some friends have started inviting me, and I am addicted. It is so fun, but I'm the same way. I just I just love learning. I'm interested in everything. You know, something on Wikipedia, I'll go spend hours in a dark hole just. Reading, reading, and learning right. about something new. So that's well, awesome. I will say, I will say, like, I think that there's something when we have our parties or our happy hours, or just even when people come to the community, I do think there's something about this issue where it's not so apparent on its face. And so you do need to dig in a little bit. And then, and so the kind of person who digs in a little bit and learns about it and then gets interested in it and then takes the next step even to seek out a community or join a community. It's just like people have jumped over several hurdles before they even come in the door. And I think that le- that's why, even though we're relatively small, and we're, I mean, relatively, we're going to have almost 500 members. We've got almost 900 donors. But by the time you get there, it's really a fantastic group of people. And I mean, like, you know, they're, they're, I probably wouldn't be doing this still if I didn't just continue to meet amazing people all over the country and the world, mm. you know, who care, who care deeply about their communities and other issues enough to, to work on this. So it's, it's, it's a great thing to work on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel, uh, kind of just the parking industry in general, it's one where you've got to, to dig in because it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like, uh, something that's been around for hundreds of years where there's a protocol for everything. It's, it's adapting and changing every day. So you've got to be able to pivot and, uh, and learn. But man, Tony, thank you so much for joining the Parking Podcast, sharing a little bit about your wonderful organization. I hope our listeners sign up for the for the newsletter, make a donation, become a member, whatever you can, just follow along because uh, they're doing great work and um, I can't wait to see what's next. So 
Tony, thanks for joining the podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker Solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. This episode is brought to you by RiseTech. RiseTech's Verge data analytics and reporting platform delivers a powerful management solution with integration to your existing technologies. I've actually seen this and it's pretty cool. I hope you check it out. Learn why some of the largest cities in the United States, such as New York City, are using RiseTech to solve their parking and transportation challenges at risetechglobal.com forward slash parking podcast.